If you look at the composition of the Boeing board, uh, it was not structured for success. Uh, it was structured for other kinds of things, for visibility, for a certain kind of optics, or connection, uh, perhaps politically. This is Governance Matters, the podcast for corporate secretaries. I'm Taylor Hughes. And I'm Jeff Cassette. Trust in business is easily lost, and regaining it can be a long and uncertain road. Just consider the Boeing Company, once one of the world's most respected firms. The U.S. airplane maker did just about everything wrong before and after the crashes of two 737 MAX airliners in 2018 and 2019. The cost was 348 lives lost. And for Boeing, billions of dollars in losses and damage to its credibility from which it has yet to recover. Boeing's failure has been called a case study in everything that's wrong with American corporate governance. It's that, and more. And if by chance you're unfamiliar, there's a Netflix documentary on right now called Downfall that'll bring you up to speed. Now, the movie never once mentions the phrase board of directors, much less corporate governance. But if you see it, you'll see why it's no surprise that amongst the profusion of legal actions taken against Boeing, its shareholders sued their board. And one year ago, Boeing's current and former directors reached a $238 million settlement. This decision highlights a new era of heightened oversight duties. Corporate secretaries are taking note, literally, especially of efforts to monitor and address safety issues. Boeing's ongoing experience also underlines the role of corporate boards in helping companies become trusted and recover from betrayals. Sandra Sutcher is professor of management practice at Harvard University. She's written a book about trust. And she says, Boeing's fall from grace has five fundamental lessons for boards of directors. Lesson number one, start by hiring a competent and objective board. As with any uh, organization, uh, it starts with like who's at the table. Uh, and so if you're uh, on a board and you have, you know, three goals uh, and roles, you have to monitor activity, uh, you have to decide at times, uh, and you have to advise. Uh, and so that's what boards are responsible for. Uh, and so then it's like building any kind of a team. Who do you want on your team to help you do that for the business you're in? Uh, and I, I think that to me, the main lesson from a board selection standpoint that comes out of Boeing uh, is perhaps obvious, but often observed in the breach, which is just the critical importance of having people who understand the particular industry uh, that you're in. Uh, and there are so many dimensions on which we hire people for boards uh, and to serve on boards. Uh, and I think that sometimes that very basic grounding in what's the nature of this industry, who knows about it, uh, and how can we get deep expertise in our organization on the board itself uh, that's going to help us in these monitoring, guiding, advising 
uh, deciding roles, uh, that just becomes uh, critical. And uh, and like you, uh, if you look at the composition of the Boeing board, uh, it was not structured for success. Uh, it was structured for other kinds of things, uh, for visibility, for a certain kind of optics or connection, uh, perhaps politically, that's less clear to impute motives. Uh, but it certainly wasn't a board where it seemed like the question was, we're you know one of two airline airplane manufacturers in the world, uh, and who do we need to have on our board understanding the responsibility that comes with the role that we play in our industry? Uh, and so for me, you know, it all starts with strategy and identification clarity around what business are you in uh, and how you can equip yourself for success. Uh, there were some uh, cross uh, board relationships. Uh, where people sat on other boards together as well. Uh, and there's academic and practical research that suggests that those kind of relationships, as pleasing as they are for the people involved, uh, sometimes can create a kind of an inside track uh, where people lose some objectivity uh, because they know each other quite well uh, and they may cut each other some slack just dynamically as things go on. Uh, and so sometimes the things that you would look for to try to make a team succeed uh, in a board, you actually want some tension there, uh, as well as the ability to really collaborate. And we'll talk more about that later. But it it just starts with uh, like who's on the board. Uh, and so the first advice to your listeners is, uh, you know, as the succession process and board selection process unfolds, uh, is to step back and to ask that fundamental are we covered from the standpoint of industry knowledge and expertise? Interesting. Um, okay, well, let's move on to a board structure then. Boeing didn't have a safety committee or much less uh, individuals who had any kind of background in that. The structure was, was actually one of the real uh, failure points here. Uh, because the the brief of the uh, uh, audit committee was risk, uh, but it was financial risk. Uh, and there was no mention uh, of a role playing in the product risk category. Uh, and I, I think reasonable people can ask the question, do you want your audit committee to actually be monitoring product risk uh, at the same time that it's doing other things? Reasonable people can disagree about where you put that. Uh, but uh, going back to the notion that you start with what business are we in, uh, the first question that you need to have is if we don't have a likely place for a committee for it, we need to actually create a committee uh, around that. And, you know, people at this point are creating ESG committees, sometimes purpose committees. So it's not as if uh, boards lack the ability to or imagination to come up with structures that meet their needs. Uh, and in this case, this is just a reminder uh, that if you don't have a committee where you can gather information, monitor it, and do something about it in your core product area, uh, then you're going to be actually quite blindsided when it comes to your monitoring, advising, and guiding roles. Okay. Uh, you also point out one, um, I guess, fairly evident lesson uh, for boards uh, that Boeing provides is that they should prepare for the worst. Um, I think personally in my life, I do that too much, but uh, a board might, that might be more, more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a separate conversation as to whether, whether or not it, it helps you in your personal life. Uh, I, I do think that for boards, 
uh, we are so focused. I know I've been on, you know, when I've been on boards on uh, kind of upside management uh, and risk management within the known world. Right. So there are a certain number of things that we just understand are part of the terrain of what it means to be managing and helping this business. Uh, this is a different kind of an exercise. This says that uh, at some point, the board would be well advised uh, to be quite intentional about doing some scenario planning uh, and to take a look at what would happen. What are the single most important risks that we face and how could we monetize the, what could happen to our business if that unfolded? Uh, and, and so that's the leap of imagination that's being asked for here. It's like any other kind of scenario planning when you say, okay, we're going to take the normal world uh, and put it aside. And we're going to say now we're into the sort of low probability, high risk arena. Uh, things that don't happen often, but if they do, really bad things happen. Hmm. Yeah, well, right around this point, uh, nuclear war comes to mind. Yeah, it, it, but yeah, no, it, it, exactly. You know, pandemics the notion that the world could be swept by a health problem uh, and have to figure out what to do about that. And and so, that you know, people who study risk management and operations have for a long time identified this tension around low probability and high risk. Uh, and it, it, exactly, it, exactly. So it's, it's all of uh, that perception that sometimes reality is not in the confined world that we understand. And we need to step outside to prepare ourselves. Uh, and the good thing or bad thing, depending on how you look at it at this point, uh, is that the financial consequences of doing this, you know, of not being prepared this way uh, for Boeing at the moment, it's like uh, $3 billion of legal and related fees and counting. And counting, right? And, and counting, because there are still shareholder suits to come uh, and other things that are, uh, and not to mention sort of suits coming at Boeing uh, from people whose families have lost someone as part of the accident. Uh, and, and so even if you took a just a pure, what would happen if the government went after us in various ways for fraud, you know, for negligence of board responsibilities, which is what happens from the shareholder side. Uh, and then what 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 are some cases that we can look at and what did it cost those businesses? Uh, so one thing I, I did, I did to try to find uh, for VW, what did the Dieselgate cost? Uh, and uh, but the number for VW in terms of its cost related to Dieselgate at this point are twenty billion dollars. Uh, and so this was from a New York Times article in 2021. Uh, and and so compared to that, Boeing is actually getting off somewhat cheap, but it's $3 billion. It's millions of dollars of lost shareholder value. Which brings us, I think, to your uh, next lesson, um, uh, which is manage for truth and realism, which, again, um, is not, I, I think, what Boeing – had done. I think uh, at some point they were basically shooting the messenger. Right. Yeah. The The idea here is that uh, uh, is that most groups are not happy when someone brings something up uh, that criticizes them, that's a critical piece of information that they'd quite as soon not know about. And so the question is, if you want to uh, if you are responsible in what you're trying to do, and if you want to run a process where you're alert to risk, you do need to cultivate an attitude in the board uh, of truth and realism, uh, which is 
Knowing about things is better than not knowing about them. Uh, and it then requires an attitude toward the people who bring these things to your attention and, and who advocate for talking about them in the board, uh, which is to not to sideline them, not to silence them, uh, and to create an environment uh, as bizarre as it sounds, where you kind of go, well, at least we know about this now. Let's dig in and try to understand. Uh, so it's similar to running a manufacturing business when you do things like statistical process control, uh, and where the whole goal of that is to make sure that you understand the error rates that you're operating in. Uh, and it's and it, where this is done well in companies like Toyota. Uh, is actually the place where people are rewarded for bringing up information that is contrary to what they think is going on. Right. And, and so that's the kind of attitude that you need to have. And uh, my colleague, Amy Edmondson, writes about psychological safety and how it is that you can allow people to feel uh, that it's okay to bring things up. And part of the protocol there is to actually uh, force yourself to say, regardless of what you may be thinking, uh, thank you for bringing that up. It's useful for us to know that. Uh, and, and so there are times when we have to override our kind of natural human emotion, which is you're telling me something I so don't want to understand and know about, uh, in order to, yeah, exactly. It's hard to do. So, you know, in saying that this is what boards should do, I'm not uh, unrealistic about how difficult it is to actually do these things in practice. Uh, but it's clear that if you don't do them, you're not going to find things out and people aren't going to feel comfortable. Uh, talking about the kinds of things that are on their minds that sometimes they may talk about in groups of two or three, but not bring to the full board. So uh, promote candor amongst yourself, but also with your shareholders. Uh, your final finding is that uh, boards need to uh, punish wrongdoing and uh, be accountable uh, or, or ensure accountability. Um, right. Is, has Boeing done that? Uh not particularly well, at least as one can tell from a distance. So I can't answer that. I'm not inside. I, I don't know the firm uh, in its operations. Uh, uh, but and because it has continued to have a string of difficulties, uh, both with the 737 and with its Dreamliner, uh, I would at least take from that where there are times where they have difficulty pa passing, you know, registration requirements, and they've had some bumps in the road and getting its airplanes out there and approved. Uh, and so that to me looks as if uh, the kind of shift that is required here may not be happening at the pace one would like it to. Uh, and part of how you help an organization begin to get into a mindset that we have to change what we do uh, is to hold people accountable for what went on in the past. Yeah, otherwise you're just going to encounter problems again and again and again. It, it, exactly. Right. Yeah, so it's it's not like talking about it in the abstract. Uh and there is definitely empirical research that says, you know, that when you look at trust uh that after companies take action, sometimes including against the CEO, uh that they are regarded as more trustworthy than if they don't. And so this is not, you know, kind of general armchair advice. This is empirical advice that says that people understand that if there's been wrongdoing, uh, that their sense of fairness and in particular their ability to trust again depends on whether you indicate actions that say that we have learned from this, we've done something about it, and here's what we've done. And people need to hear that you've done things and to know exactly what it is. 
Uh, and sometimes you can be quite open about that, as in the case of a CEO who doesn't get the job. Other times it's behind the scenes things, but you definitely need to show the organization that these kinds of situations have consequences and that the consequences will be severe for the people involved. Well, Boeing didn't do that with its CEO. I can't remember his name, but um, he got an $80 billion severance package. Right. Yeah. And uh the recovering trust is its own process, right? You know, so there are three things that we know from research matter if you really want to recover trust is the first is you just to have to acknowledge harm and apologize. And that's critical because uh, if people know that you've done something wrong, if you don't acknowledge it, then I can't put my trust in you. How could I possibly trust you if you've done something wrong and you don't take responsibility for it? Do you point so the finger at somebody else? That. Well, yeah, and that's the second part, which is that you also have to take accountability. So it's not just that you have to apologize. You actually have to do something about the fact that that worked. Sounds sensible, of course. I would have few people do it. Well, it's not just sensible. It's, it's like, it, the question is, like, what's your goal? If your goal is to try to weasel your way through a situation so that you can sleep a little bit better at night, feeling that you've done an okay job, you you could think about that. But if your goal is actually to recover trust, then you have to be seen taking responsibility for what you've done. Uh, it's essential for people to understand that you didn't just apologize for it, you took actions. And then the third step is to fix whatever led to the problem in the first place. Uh, and, and sometimes that's like a root cause analysis. How did we get to this point? A lot of the Boeing reporting had to do with how did they end up with 346 people dying in two plane crashes spread over five months, right? And so some of that is just, okay, so then you unwind that process and you say, what are the things that led to that and what can we change in that? Uh, and that too is critical if people are going to trust your organization again, and I think that's why people are back to buying Boeing airplanes uh, and flying on them. But they still have work to do in that regard. And it shows up in the fact that they can't get regulators to uniformly accept what they do because there's something not really still right with their process, I would imagine. Or they would be passing these things with more regularity than they do and not raising questions. So whatever root cause analysis they did at the end to kind of fix the problems that led to the crashes – it looks like they're still having difficulties in that arena uh, and that they have more work to do. So it is these three steps, acknowledge harm and apologize, take accountability, uh, and then fix the problem uh, and really try to understand what it was. And if you do those things, you have a kind of a fighting chance of winning it back. Now, uh, winning trust back in large, well-capitalized companies, uh, very few companies go out of business for this reason. Right. So if I'm a VW, if I'm a Boeing, uh, there is so much capital in the system that I it actually would be very hard. And Enron is a very rare thing. Arthur Anderson, companies that actually go down uh, as a result of people having lost trust. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, they underperform. Right. We want more from companies than that they just kind of get by. We want Boeing to be a great manufacturer of, you know, of airplanes so that we can not just feel safe, they get us faster, they're better, they're better designed. We want all of that. Uh, and so that's part of why you kind of care about whether trust is in the room, uh, is that you actually aspire to something bigger than what you're even able to do right now. 
And that's your Governance Matters podcast. Our thanks to Sandra Sutcher. Her book is called The Power of Trust, How Companies Build It, Lose It, Regain It. Also, correction, Boeing's CEO, of course, got a mere $60 million worth of uh, exit goodies. Uh, that's with an M. Thanks for listening. Until next month. Bye.